Logan, welcome to the Bitcoin Source. Can we start things off by introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Dadu. Uh, my name is Logan Bollinger. I'm a practicing attorney uh, by day, um, but I also do a lot of writing in the Bitcoin space. I write a newsletter called Think Bitcoin. It comes out every two weeks. I've done some writing for Bitcoin Magazine, uh, been on some podcasts, and I'm just kind of on this Bitcoin journey, getting deeper and deeper into the space and um, you know, just trying to do my part to contribute. A hundred percent. Logan, you know, we, we kind of go way back a little bit in the Bitcoin ecosystem, and I'm just really excited to have you on, on this episode. Um, usually the first question that I ask people that come on the Bitcoin source is, where do they source their Bitcoin knowledge from, whether it be books, conferences, or even people in the ecosystem that might have inspired you? So could you kind of elucidate to the audience, you know, how you kind of got started in Bitcoin and where'd you source that knowledge from? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, as you know, I mean, there are so many different ways to come at Bitcoin, so many different avenues to kind of, um, you know, seek an understanding of Bitcoin. For me, when I first started, uh, I was looking for sort of more just general intros to Bitcoin and have just uh, more sort of layman friendly um, introductions to it. And I think there are some people who do that really, really well. I think Lamar Wilson does that very, very well. Um, But I think beyond that you know the farther that i got kind of into the rabbit hole um one of the 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 podcast series that was really influential for me that kind of made a lot of things click was the jeff booth series on robert breedlove's what is money show Um, it's like a 10-part series um and that just i read jeff's book too as well which i would recommend i mean the combination of jeff's book and and that series uh really distilled a lot of it and just brought a lot of ideas together that i've been thinking about with bitcoin um, so that was super influential. And now I think the way that I kind of view the sourcing of my own kind of information for Bitcoin is sort of I go to different people for different um, you know, ways of approaching Bitcoin, for different aspects of Bitcoin, for different issues that Bitcoin touches. Um, so I really like, I mean, Troy Cross is somebody who was big for me, kind of from a more progressive-ish angle, um, but mostly from a climate angle as well. Uh, Margot, who you've had on, is, is great. Uh, level 39 um, on Twitter for the climate stuff and progressive stuff. So, um, but if, if, yeah, I mean, if, if somebody was asking me kind of what was the, the thing that really kind of hooked you in and drew you in is probably the Jeff Booth series. I'm also not, uh, I think you're, you know, probably much more literate than me, Dadu, at uh, some of the, the more technical stuff. So for me, I'm, I'm not a, not a computer scientist. I'm not a software engineer. You know, I don't work at a tech company or anything like that. So the technical side of Bitcoin was always a little challenging and intimidating to me um, to wrap my head around that side. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of a classic humanities guy, you know, literature and philosophy and all that stuff. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Jan Pritzker's book, Inventing Bitcoin, which is which is basically 100 pages. Um, it's a pretty slender book. Um, I actually think it's Swan gives it for away for free now, but it's a it's a great kind of technical introduction to Bitcoin, especially for somebody like me who doesn't have a, a technical background. Um, so that was that was really helpful for me. Yeah, you know, there's so many books out there. There's so much places that you can actually get Bitcoin information, which is super cool because five or six years ago, it was very difficult to kind of grasp or grab some of this Bitcoin literature that's out there. What really um, made me connect to you, Logan, was um, an article that you actually published in Bitcoin Magazine, which was from from Bernie to Bitcoin. And I found it very interesting and profound because as we all know, as millennials, we kind of got, you know, 
ushered into the political system, trying to make changes, trying to kind of put our stake in for our generation on the policies that we want to see in place and how we want to better the world through government and kind of like presidential campaigns. So my second question to you is, what was the turning point in politics that led you to Bitcoin? Um, for me, I think things started to come together when, on the political side, kind of probably May, um, June, July of 2020, I think in sort of the wake of the response to COVID. Um, and it kind of started with, you know, I was, you know, looking at obviously, you know, the, the economic response and sort of the effect on the economy that COVID was having, the government's response to that. And then it was very bizarre to me to watch the stock market sort of just march upwards pretty swiftly despite um, all of the unknowns and you know we were still in modified versions of lockdowns across the country and economic activity was um, was being just radically um, kind of curtailed and it just that just didn't make a lot of sense to me and um, so I kind of started digging a little deeper into why that was um, and so that's kind of the, the only people who were really talking about that it seemed like to me at the time were bitcoiners and so I started kind of doing a deep dive into monetary policy and stuff like that. And I kind of had a few epiphanies about, you know, where some of the problems that politicians are seeking to solve, especially kind of on the left, um, sort of the, the location of the source of those problems. And, you know, I started thinking a lot about, well, okay, I think most people would agree that, that something is wrong. Something is kind of amiss in our current system. Um, it doesn't really seem sustainable. Um, and, you know, both sides of the political aisle are kind of trying to diagnose the problem. So I guess, I mean, being charitable, I'll say they're trying to diagnose the problem and, uh, and address it effectively. But I think, you know, in my opinion, I think neither side is accurately locating the source of the problem. But it was through Bitcoin for me that that's kind of how I came to that conclusion. And when I wrote that article from Burning to Bitcoin, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned in the piece, I, I still have a great deal of respect for, you know, somebody like Bernie Sanders. Um, I just, I, I think his heart is in the right place. I think a lot of people in the left, I think that their heart is very much in the right place. I still mostly identify um, with with the left uh, politically. I mean, I would, I, I kind of feel a little bit politically uh, homeless at this point, but but I just think, uh, yeah, we're just not not locating the problem correctly. And, you know, you can't, a doctor can't cure a patient if he doesn't know where the problem is. And so I think that's kind of where we're at. And that's kind of what I was trying to talk about in the article is sort of that transition, the journey for me from realizing, okay, the ways that I used to think that we could maybe solve some of these problems are probably not going to be as effective as I originally thought they were. Um, but maybe Bitcoin provides a, a new way to approach some of those problems that might be more effective. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that that like 2020, 2019 campaign run was just really interesting for just not only millennials or people from our generation, but just America as a whole. And I think that we kind of saw some of the chinks in the armor of most of our politicians, at least for our generation. And I think that Bitcoin is kind of like that silent protest. It's kind of in a place where the voting system doesn't really matter because you have finite scarcity, you have an algorithm, you have a protocol that's just kind of running on its own. It doesn't have any fears of being, you know, manipulated or coerced into, you know, getting 
you know, votes put in or votes taken out. And I think that, you know, your piece in Bitcoin magazine needed to be spoken on because a lot of people, Bernie Sanders, and they kind of thought that he was going to really change the scenario of like Trump and some of the other people that were in the space that were really making America look a little crazy. And I think that when people realized that Bernie Sanders really couldn't, you know, achieve what he wanted to achieve, Bitcoin kind of placed itself into people's perspective to say, hey, like, we don't really have to worry about the voting system. We can kind of buy into this digital asset that we know over the long term is going to actually change our political views, help us with policy and ultimately change the world. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. Yeah, it's kind of this way of silently without it, you're kind of disempower. You're taking a little bit off the plate of policymakers. You're disempowering them, at least with respect to, to the money in a way that I think is important. And, uh, you know, it was really disheartening for me as somebody who was a Bernie Sanders supporter, seeing kind of that campaign, seeing the uh, everybody sort of all the establishment figures kind of falling in line behind the establishment candidate. And then we kind of just get the same old thing that we've kind of always had. Um, and so one of the more interesting things for me that I've kind of been writing about lately is the ways in which Bitcoin potentially offers a way for us to break through some of this partisan log jam where we're kind of all very obsessed with our, you know, uh, partisan identities and these sort of very ossified frameworks of, of thinking, you know, this two party system, which I understand it's a little bit cliche to kind of, you know, bemoan the two party system. But, but I think we're sort of reaching a point where we, we can't really, I personally struggle to sort of see how we're going to solve some of the really big, important problems that I think we need to solve if we're constrained, um, by these like very rigid, partisan identities and, part and partisan platforms. And so I'm hopeful that, that Bitcoin allows us to um, transcend some of that. And I think Bitcoin does a good job of revealing some of the inconsistencies um, and some of the incoherence, frankly, of, of some of these, of kind of the sort of rubric of policies that, that each, each party uh, adheres to. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. And this next question kind of is like a soft spot for me because, you know, as you know, I'm a writer, you're a writer, and I'm really big into people's sub stacks and kind of like how they express themselves through literature on their perspective of Bitcoin. So um, I want to talk about Think Bitcoin, which is your newsletter. And you know, with newsletters, with Substacks, at least for me being a writer, I think that we utilize those to kind of like orange pill our audience, orange pill our peers, our relatives, our loved ones. So did the Think Bitcoin Newsweekly, um, you know, article series, did that help to change the perspective for your wife or your family or loved ones about Bitcoin? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I... So with respect to that part of the question, so I've been working on my parents. Um, I don't know if you've had any success with uh, with yours, but um, I'm very much working on, on my mom and my dad uh, through Think Bitcoin. I'm trying to kind of get them on board. You know, not a ton of success yet. It's uh, we're getting there. We're making some slow progress. Um, with respect to my wife, um, she's sort of been on the journey with me for most of the way. Uh, the rabbit hole. I mean, I was kind of the first one to go down the rabbit hole, and it was kind of uh, you know there was there came a moment where I was kind of sheepishly saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, I've been learning about this thing and spending a lot of time and I like kind of just need to, we need to talk about it. And, and, uh, and so we did, but she's been, uh, my wife is pretty, is very much a Bitcoiner, um, certainly at heart. And so you can imagine we talk about it pretty much all the time. She's kind of like my first 
first person I bounce ideas off of when I get something in my head that I want to write about. And I'll kind of get her perspective on it and tell her, like, you know, you tell me if you think this is, you know, crazy or silly or if it doesn't make any sense. Um, and we kind of, you know, she helps me a lot. Um, it's definitely been helpful with friends. Um, so I think I've orange built some friends for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I find writing, um, I'd be interested to hear your take on this as well. I find sometimes I'll start thinking I'm going to write about one thing. And then in the process of writing, I kind of, you know, realize, you know, that I actually have something else that I want to say, something else kind of manifests itself. And uh, it's almost a way of clarifying my own thinking by writing and, and usually something, usually I end up with something that's a little bit different and, um, and sometimes at least I hope more interesting than maybe where I started. Um, but I'm interested to hear what, what you think about that. If, if writing for you, if you feel it's kind of a process of clarifying your thought as well. In respects to your wife and to your family and friends, um, you know, my fiance, she's kind of like, I've orange pilled her as well. And what I found really brilliant about it is that male or men tend to be very logical thinkers. Women have a different approach to things, a different way of thinking about things. And I think that that helps me with my writing because she gives me a different perspective on Bitcoin. But in respect to your, your question, Logan, um, for me as a writer, I really try to pose a question to myself. So I'll say something like, why is Bitcoin digital energy? And I'll say, okay, let me break down some talking points or topics about what gives me clear clarification on why that is true or not true. And then I'll kind of write around those things, right? And then I'll use my fiance to say, hey, the first draft, like, take a look at this, read this, like, does this, what, what captivates you about this piece, what sticks out to you. And I'll highlight those things. And it's just like a trial and error process. And then I have, mo I have moments where I'll be very knowledgeable about something in the Bitcoin space, very passionate about it. You know, be like a rapid fire thing where I can knock out a 800 word article in a few hours because I just understand the concept. I kind of know the answer to the question already. And it's just, you know, it's ups and downs with writing. Sometimes you have writer's block and then sometimes you have moments where you just can't miss. Yeah, it's so, so true. It's yeah. Sometimes you have like the burst of inspiration and it's just, you're, you're almost unconscious while you're doing it. And then other times you're kind of, you know, working very hard to kind of find the articulation that is buried somewhere and you're just kind of chipping away. Um, to get there. My next question to you is, and this is kind of building off of what we just spoke about, where you got into the Bitcoin space in 2017. You started writing about Bitcoin, using your newsletter to kind of orange pill people and actually bolster it for yourself. So my question to you, Logan, is since 2017, how has your perspective on Bitcoin changed? In a lot of different ways, I think. Um, I think the, the ecosystem itself, I think, has changed. Um, I would, I think I would say for the better. Um, I, I think there are so many interesting thinkers now. There's like we, like you were kind of saying earlier, there's so many books now, so many great articles, so many great newsletters, so many great, uh, you know, podcasts and, um, educators. And there's just such a, uh, there's just a plethora of people coming from, from a diversity of angles, um, to Bitcoin now. And which I think is creating a, a really rich intellectual environment around Bitcoin, I think. And so I think that's, uh, which is, you know, not to suggest that there wasn't, um, you know, an intellectual richness in 2017. I'm sure that there was. I wasn't as involved in 2017. For me, in 2017, the only book that seemed to be available to me at the time, at least that I could find, was um, Digital Gold. I think it was called by, I want to say, Nathaniel Popper, I think is his name. But now, I mean, there's just, I mean, and so there's kind of a, a dearth of 
of, of material. You really had to work, I think, to find the material back then and, uh, or at least work, work harder um, than you do now. And now I think, you know, we're, we're sort of spoiled a little bit, but it's really exciting to see all of these, um, you know, really interesting thinkers uh, working on Bitcoin and, you know, coming up with new ideas and different ways that Bitcoin can address um, lots of the, the problems and the issues that we're all you know, deeply concerned about. I'm also really encouraged currently with the heterodox views that I think exist in the Bitcoin community. I mean, there's obviously a pocket of uh, the community that's kind of um, sort of, I guess we'll say a little bit hardline. Um, but I think, you know, there's people who are willing to meet people from who maybe come from different political perspectives and backgrounds or, you know, different opinions about various things. But we all kind of agree on Bitcoin and we can kind of meet each other at Bitcoin, you know, despite maybe having differences um, and sometimes significant differences in, you know, other areas or things that we care about. Um, but so I, I'm, I'm encouraged to see the way that Bitcoin is bringing people together from different backgrounds, which, you know, t t in today's world where we're hyper polarized and everybody's screaming at each other all the time and every issue or conversation is kind of run through an ideological filter and, you know, is it this side or this side? And, you know, you kind of do this purity testing all the time. I think it's, it's kind of encouraging to see something that where people will, um, you know, have some good faith spirited debates and, and arguments and, and, um, you know, just kind of work together on something and kind of generally agree, um, that Bitcoin is, you know, a good thing. And, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that, that community continue to grow. And I think that's a powerful yeah, thing. And you know, what's crazy is like, I kind of got into Bitcoin in 2017 as well. So we're, we're in the same graduating class and, for me, that what was interesting is that when I originally found out about Bitcoin, I was working as a financial banker at the time. Um, and as you know, in the legacy banking system, Bitcoin is kind of, I mean, now they're kind of taking a turn with fidelity and stuff. But back then, talking about Bitcoin was a no-no. So for me, it was like I was learning about something that was taboo at the time. And if you didn't have a buddy that was in software development or techie-based person, it was like really hard and it would keep you like flummoxed on exactly what is this thing people are raving about it but we really don't understand what it is even from a technical aspect so i think from 2017 till now you see so many of the institutions you see so many major companies celebrities even politicians are onboarding bitcoin as a part of their campaigns and it's kind of like a bittersweet moment for us coming in so early to look and see like wow this thing that we were super you know, passionate about, and everyone kind of like gave us the cold shoulder at first, you're just seeing it be ubiquitous everywhere in the space. And we kind of can be like the OGs and sit back and say, like, I feel proud of being a little early about Bitcoin. So that's, that's cool to, to think about. Yeah, have you I'm curious to know, if any of your former, you know, uh, co workers who you talked to about Bitcoin at the time, have any of them, who I assume many of them probably thought you were you know, kind of crazy at the time. Have any of them, have you stayed in touch with any of them? Have any of them reached out and kind of said, oh, hey, maybe you were onto something there? Oh, most definitely. You know, because people see my articles in Bitcoin Magazine. So they're like, you know, my name is very unique. Yeah, like my name's Dadu. So that name sticks out. Everyone's like, oh, Dadu wrote a piece. What's this about? So now I get people texting me, calling me. Hey, like what's, what's, what's Bitcoin about? And I even have people that try to talk to me about altcoins. And I really try to steer them in the direction of like, before you go down the rabbit hole of all these altcoins and... DAOs and all this other stuff, look at Bitcoin, look at what we consider as digital property, because that's the true store of value. Over the long term, 
you've never seen any issues with Bitcoin getting hacked or the CEO being manipulated or bribed because Bitcoin doesn't have a CEO. And I pretty much give it to them in layman's terms that way. And it's just funny to see like the people that were kind of like pushing FUD or making it seem like, you know, this was a fly by night technology kind of circle back and like ask questions very subtly. Like I'll get a DM on Twitter or someone will retweet an article that I put out and I'll like look at the person. I'll be like, oh, I remember that person was saying that this would never make it this far. So it's kind of like for me being a writer, it's like I'm just doing my job of, you know, kind of pushing out that information to the world. And if people gravitate to it, great. If they don't, they have to, you know, get it at the price that they deserve later down the road. Right. Yeah. Sometimes they gravitate. They may not gravitate to it immediately, but, you know, it's it's a funny life is a funny way of bringing everybody kind of around to it eventually. Logan, my last question is, you know, and this is kind of like back to the politics thing. What principles and ideas will you look for? and future politicians that use Bitcoin as a fulcrum for their future campaigns. And, you know, this is kind of an evolution for me because I, you know, if you asked me three years ago, I would have given you a different answer. But um, right now, I think for me, uh, the, the biggest, what I want to see in politicians, especially those who are you know, looking to, um, you know, to, to leverage Bitcoin or, or to be involved in Bitcoin or push Bitcoin forward, is I want to see folks who are willing um, to... Uh, you know, not be so tied to kind of their sort of partisan commitments. I want people who are willing to sort of look at things and not kind of first run it through the party filter and just kind of try to objectively see be and be open minded to it. Um, because, you know, like we've said, I mean, I think that's that's one of the most interesting things about Bitcoin. Um, so I'm I'm looking for people who are who are willing to. Uh, to consider this new exciting technology, consider all the implications of it, the societal implications of it, the different ways that it could, you know, improve the world, improve the country, um, the ways that it could help us address major issues that uh, that, that we all care about, um, and you know, I, I want politicians who will listen to, um, you know, deep thinkers in the space, people who are trying to engage them and say, hey, listen, I know that maybe your first at first blush, this probably you know, looks like, I mean, at first blush, it, it might look a little scammy. It might look a little like, what What the hell is this thing? Um, you know, for somebody who's a 75-year-old senator, you know, it just kind of looks like weird, you know, magical internet money that doesn't make any sense. So I'm looking for people who are willing to engage with, with uh, the community and uh, people who are willing to hold some kind of heterodox thoughts in their mind and sort of, I'm really just, these days I'm very much interested in you know, trying to nudge people away from kind of this, this idea that we have to, that it's, it's all or nothing, you know, for whatever party you belong to, that you either believe every single thing um, that, that they are telling you that you should think, um, or else you're kind of excommunicated. Um, and I'm really trying to, uh, to sort of, you know, push for a world and, and nudge people towards, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, it's okay to, say, oh, I, I agree with a part of what you're saying, party A or B, and, uh, and I disagree with some of it. And, and maybe there's, you know, something like Bitcoin where it's kind of, you know, it could be both, could be neither. I mean, it doesn't, certainly doesn't belong to either party. Um, so I guess just kind of a long way of saying I'm looking for people who are open-minded um, about innovation, people willing to listen, um, and people who are, you know, willing to make their own decisions that aren't sort of dictated by, um, you know, what their party is, what their line is. Yeah. And Logan, you know, I kind of want to build on that question too. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. So 
earlier before like you know this last political run we had senators or politicians or people trying to run for the senate like andrew yang for example who was one of the first people in my opinion that i heard really talking about cryptocurrency talking about bitcoin on a large scale as part of their campaign kind of like model and when i heard him on the breakfast club talking about it i already knew a little bit about bitcoin and he was kind of like pushing the narrative of, of ubi universal basic income as a way to be inclusive and to kind of capture people that have been left out traditionally from the voting system from generational wealth and i just found that a little concerning for me personally because it just screamed centralization to me but my question to you is is that how will you feel when you see more politicians coming in kind of talking about Bitcoin or even using it as a part of their campaign. Um, you know, it's kind of like weird because most Bitcoiners are very big on decentralization and having control and self-sovereignty. And when you talk about politics, most people realize that, you know, there's always like tricks and things going on in politics that they kind of want your vote. And then when they get into the office, do they do the things that they say they're going to do? And when you're dealing with Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about that because you know, TikTok, the next block, every 10 minutes, you have a new block. There's no vacillation there. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I, re I remember when Beto O'Rourke was running for president and, you know, a video surfaced of him, like hit one of his like bands in high school or something, you know, singing. A, it was a song by The Clash, um, who, you know, one of my favorite bands. But and uh, some punk music, punk rock musician was asked a question about, oh, what do you think about Beto O'Rourke, um, you know, playing this you know, song by this punk band? And, uh, and he said, well, there's really nothing less punk rock than running for president. Um, so I'm not really into it. And which, you know, you made me think of that because, yes, like in a way, you know, Bitcoin is we're trying to separate the state from money. So it's kind of weird when you have the representatives of the state kind of, you know, if, if, if we get to a point where they start talking about Bitcoin and wanting to advance Bitcoin, I think kind of like on, you know, on the service, it's 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 kind of a little weird. I don't think people who were involved. 10 years ago necessarily thought that we would reach this point where where we would be talking about this um i think the beauty i mean i think it's it's um certain that you know we're going to have some politicians who will use bitcoin who will name drop bitcoin just to get votes just to sort of you know rouse the cyber hornets to their support um you know raise money and and publicity and it's it'll be a really trendy you know cool sexy thing to talk about and and align yourself with um but, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll also get some some folks who are really you know, sincerely interested in the technology and, and what it can do. But I think I think we'll get a mixed bag. I, mean, I think that's normal. I mean, on the campaign trail, you get people talk about all kinds of stuff. And then, you know, real life happens when you get an office and it's and it's different. Um, but, you know, the nice thing about Bitcoin is, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, like you said, I mean, it's TikTok next block. I mean, no matter what the politicians do, I mean, anything that, that advances Bitcoin farther um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the cat just gets further and further out of the bag and, you know, and it's just ultimately good for Bitcoin. I mean, the, the, the more that it advances, the more, I mean, it's already impossible kind of to stop, but it's just sort of accelerating that process. Um, so I'm not too worried, um, about it. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some really annoying kind of publicity stunts that we'll all just kind of roll our eyes at. Um, but you know, I, Andrew Yang is somebody who interests me. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, he, he has some opinions about the two party system that I personally agree with. And so that's somebody I'm following. I'm interested in I also think there are some interesting ways to do, uh, UBI with Bitcoin that would be, I, it, I would just be interested to see those things proposed in that way. Um, 
you know, and just put that on the table for discussion and maybe shift the Overton window of, of kind of, you know, what we think Bitcoin can do or, or what we think UBI could look like. Or, so I think different policies, once you introduce Bitcoin, I think you really open up kind of a, you know, a, a box of new angles of looking at different policies um, that, you know, we, we might find something very effective or, or interesting um, in there. So, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with like everything you said, even Andrew Yang, like I'm not trying to give him a hard time, but you know, just from what I initially heard him talk about, I wasn't really super thrilled about it, but if there's yeah. a way to like incorporate the lightning network or something that might work. Yeah. And um, I feel like he's somebody who, you know, I mean, he's at least technically literate. I mean, he could, Yeah. who knows, I mean, he could, he could at least put it in the conversation and move us, you know, hopefully move us forward a little bit. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see. Yeah. Logan, this this Bitcoin conversation was super insightful. I really enjoyed it. Could you give the audience, you know, your social media handles or whatever else you have going on in the future so people can know about it? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Dottie. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Um, so folks uh, who want to find me, want to read my writing, um, I write a newsletter. Uh, it's called Think Bitcoin. Um, it's at thinkbitcoin.substack.com. Uh, it's totally free. Uh, so um, go check that out and subscribe. It comes out usually every two weeks. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, relatively active there. My handle is um, at the Y of Phi. That's the W-H-Y of F-I. Um, so pretty active there. Um, and yeah, reach out. DM's always open. Um, yeah. Once again, Logan, thank you for taking time out to speak on the Bitcoin source. Have a good one. Thanks, Dottie. Appreciate it.